Google and Apple are now requiring a judge's order to hand over information about its customers' push notifications to law enforcement. So is this a win for privacy or will it embolden criminals? I'm Veronica Dudo. Let's find out. This is In America Today from the Ticker News Studios in New York City. Hello and welcome. Coming up, Israeli forces say they have discovered the largest ever Hamas attack tunnel. Plus, London's police said they will carefully consider the findings of a court ruling that found Prince Harry had been a victim of phone hacking. But first... Google and Apple are now requiring a judge's order to hand over information about its customers' push notifications to law enforcement. The rivals are now in line over the controversial policy that raises the hurdle officials must clear to get app data about users. For more, let's bring in Oz Sultan, the chief strategist with the Sultan Interactive Group. Oz, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So both companies are now on the same page when it comes to sharing users' data with law enforcement. First, what does this mean mm-hmm. for users? So there was a, uh, a Fifth uh, Circuit Court uh, in Utah um, about two weeks ago that basically said that users don't have to provide their passcodes to the police anymore. And subsequent to that, now see, and this this kind of references a, a terrorism case, a domestic terrorism case from about ten years ago, where there was a Bangladeshi couple in uh, California where police were basically adamant to Google and and Apple that you have to give us access to this because this is domestic terrorism. Um, I, th- I think it's an, an interesting scenario. Now it's a little bit of a pushback on you know sort of the encroachment of a police state. Um, specifically on your devices, and it's not something that I think everyone is well aware of, and so it's you know it's, it's necessary to bring this up. It does raise a number of challenges um, for policing domestic and international terrorism, specifically when they're trying to get into these phones. So there's a subpoena that's now involved that could be another 24 hours, 48 hours, depending on where you are in the U.S. But what this does do is this enshrines our Fifth Amendment rights in a more, um, I guess you could say, protective role um, from what the court is stepping forward with. And secondarily, what Apple and and Google are saying, uh, at least, that they're not going to provide anymore. Um, Although, you know, inside of the the whole scale of things, it is still worth mentioning that Apple and Google, within the same period of about two weeks, did notify consumers that they are sharing your push notifications with governments. So, on one side, it's a win, you know, for privacy. On the other side, we still have big tech doing the same onerous things that they've been doing from day one. So what does this mean for law enforcement moving forward? For law enforcement, it means a longer process. So it's 24 to 48 hours to get uh, that, um, you know, that writ from the judge. If the judge is going to give you that writ, it puts a lot more onus on the police to actually demonstrate there's a necessity to get into their phones for specific types of crimes. And what may happen more often than not, I'll say in in New York, you know, where I am, is that you may have smaller uh, minor crimes that they can't prosecute because they can't get the access to this information um, in a fair and timely manner. And a lot of this also couples with, you know, the expedient court proceeding process that's been passed that, you know, had come down from several Supreme Courts. Um, This could throw a lot of cases out. 
you know, in, in, in the case that they actually needed information from that if a judge won't afford them with a writ. On the opposite side of this, it's it's definitely a privacy boon for a lot of folks across the country. And, you know, it's a, a big step forward for Fifth Amendment rights. Now we're seeing so much volatility in the world, even here in the United States. We've seen the director of the FBI, Christopher Wray, talking about a lot of bad actors being here in the United States and potentially carrying something out domestically. How does all of this fit in with now hearing about the big tech companies, you know, looking to just make it a little bit more difficult for law enforcement to do their jobs? I think it speaks more to a need for consolidated and concerted effort from the Fed down. So from Fed agencies into your state law enforcement, into local law enforcement, specifically about, you know, terror notifications and terror risks and specific terror actors that are identified by large, you know, government databases, carnivore, other tech that's out there. Uh, on the flip side of this, if you're dealing with smaller jurisdictions, and domestic terror issues, you know, much as we see in the South um, with, you know, lone wolves uh, that, you know, I, I tend to call the laughing men because they, they basically echo kind of a profile that we put in the Army Cyber Defense Review a few years ago. Um, those folks are going to be a little bit harder to catch. And, you know, getting into their phones, again, it's a procedural issue. It'll take another day or two. In most cases, it's not going to have any kind of an impact because they've already got these people in custody, but for issues where we have active shooters, where we have active domestic terrorists, or we even have a foreign born terrorist on our soil, it is gonna prove a little bit more problematic. Now we're also seeing Google saying that it will change its map tool so that the company no longer has access to users' individual location histories. Do you think this is a good decision on privacy or will it embolden criminals? I think it's lip service, uh, honestly. Um, Google has a methodology by which they track not only everything that you're doing on your phone, if you allow access, um, they track everything that you're doing on the web and they're becoming far more pervasive with their, their cooking methodology inside of that and pushing down um, ad blockers and a variety of other things. Um, I think largely, you know, it's, it's going to prove useful for uh, folks that disable it. Um, but I think a lot of people aren't aware that you actually have to go in and disable that, you know, information gathering. And it's really quizzical whether or not Google's actually just going to push that out as feature functionality or they're like, hey, we're not tracking you anymore. So turn it off yourself. Otherwise, we're still collecting your data. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, these large tech companies see everyone as, you know, somewhere between 20 to 50 dollars of their bottom line based on the data they collect off of you per user. So it's it's quizzical to see what the, the overall impact of that will be, but it's at least a step forward in the right direction. With about 45 seconds left, do you think this could be a cost-effective or cost-cutting measure for both of the companies and that they wouldn't have to have employees, uh, you know, relaying this information to law enforcement? Absolutely. I mean, if you, you look at this, the bottom line of this is not Google or Apple trying to make people safer or safeguard, um, you know, society. They, they've made it very clear that they're onerous in terms of how they wanted to collect data. But what it does do is it reduces potentially hundreds of FTEs, employees that they would have to have on either side just to fulfill 
what the law enforcement, you know, requests are. And for them, for each, each company, you know, that could be a savings of millions of dollars to their bottom line. Uh, Sultan, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Israeli forces have revealed that they discovered the largest ever Hamas attack tunnel. The military found the tunnel that is designed to carry carloads of militant fighters from Gaza right up to the border. Israeli forces battling Hamas said they had uncovered an unusually large concrete and iron-girded tunnel at the Gaza-Israel border designed to transport carloads of militant fighters. Chief Israeli military spokesperson Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari said the tunnel was four kilometers or two and a half miles long, stretching from Gaza City, once the heart of Hamas governance and now a devastated combat zone, to the Erez crossing at the Israeli border. Without demolishing the tunnel project of Hamas, we cannot demolish Hamas. Raising or disabling hundreds of kilometers of underground passages and bunkers is among the aims of the Israeli offensive. The military showed reporters the exit point of the tunnel, located just 100 meters south of the checkpoint at Erez. The Erez crossing is one of the sites Hamas overran on October 7th, killing 1,200 Israelis and taking 240 others hostage. Hagari said it was the biggest tunnel Israeli forces have found near the border, without specifying whether it was used by Hamas for the October 7th attack. Generally, the tunnels shown to the media by the group or by the Israeli military after their discovery have been narrow and low, designed for single-file movement of gunmen on foot. The tunnel shown by Hagari had shafts plunging vertically downward that he said suggested it was part of a wider network. Hamas did not respond to a Reuters request for comment on the Israeli account. Since the October 7th attack, Israel has besieged Gaza and laid much of the Palestinian enclave to waste. Around 19,000 Palestinians have been killed, according to Gaza health officials, with thousands more suspected buried in the rubble of Israeli airstrikes. London police say they will carefully consider the findings of a court ruling that found Prince Harry had been a victim of phone hacking and other unlawful acts by Mirror Group journalists with the knowledge of their editors. Prince Harry scored his biggest win yet in his legal war against the UK press on Friday, when London courts ruled he'd been the victim of phone hacking and other unlawful activities by journalists at Mirror Group newspapers. The judge said that MGN editors, including the high-profile former Daily Mirror editor Piers Morgan, knew about these activities. Morgan, a constant critic of Harry and his wife Meghan, has consistently denied any involvement in or knowledge of phone hacking. King Charles's youngest son was awarded over $180,000 and, in a statement read by his lawyer, David Sherborne, responded to the legal victory. My commitment to seeing this case through is based on my belief in our need and collective right to a free and honest press, and one which is properly accountable when necessary. I hope that the court's findings will serve as a warning to all media organisations who have employed these practices and then similarly lied about them. The prince also called for authorities to take action against those identified as having broken the law, 
Harry was one of about 100 claimants, including actors and sports stars, who had sued MGN over claims of phone hacking and unlawful information gathering between 1991 and 2011. And Judge Timothy Fancourt gave an excoriating conclusion that there had been widespread hacking and unlawful activities at MGN from 1996 until 2011. He said it even carried on while a public inquiry into illicit practices at British newspapers was taking place. The MGN case is just one of four Harry is pursuing at the High Court. He has won the right to take to trial a similar phone hacking case against Associated Newspapers, the publisher of the Daily Mail, and Mail on Sunday. Allegations of unlawful behaviour by News Corp's newsgroup newspapers, the publisher of The Sun, will also go to trial. Thanks for watching in America Today. I'm Veronica Dudo. For more, head to tickernews.co. I'll see you soon. More right after this.